Football on Off the Ball with Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk. Very welcome back to Off the Ball on this Sunday afternoon on News Talk. It's Aidan Delaney stepping in for Joe Malloy for now, and we're sticking with the football theme this hour. You've just heard from the brilliant Brian Kerr about his thoughts on the action in Qatar so far, but we are going to dig a little bit deeper into what should be the first Titanic battle of the 2022 World Cup. We have Germany against Spain, two European heavyweights, the kind of game that the World Cup was created for. One team is coming off the back of a morale-boosting demolition of Costa Rica, while the other was humbled for the second tournament in a row in their opening game. And we're going to focus on the Germans now for the next 20 minutes or so. And I'm glad to say that the German football expert Rafa Honningstein of The Athletic joins us to look ahead to the game, which of course kicks off at 7 o'clock this evening. So Rafa, first off, uh, how are you enjoying the tournament so far outside of the football? Uh, there isn't that much happening outside of the football uh, for me anyway, because there's so many games and you're trying to see um, a lot of them. And by the time you come back, sometimes it's uh, 2, 3 a.m. if you're unlucky and go to the Albaid Stadium, which is quite far away. And that's where Germany are playing uh, tonight. But, you know, the sun is shining. Um, if you have a bit of downtime, then I think it's hard not to find something pleasant to do. Uh, it is set up uh, for um, you know a pretty uh, flawless uh, experience when it comes to transportation, when it comes to the hotels, the FIFA accommodation that we're using. Uh, for journalists, um, it's actually a pretty decent working environment. But you still, I think, have that lingering feeling of wondering if the World Cup couldn't have perhaps found a slightly more suitable um, location in the first place. Absolutely. But um, I suppose the football on the field, like I say, this is the, the kind of game that we want at a World Cup. We want to see the best teams taking on each other in, you know, as your role as a German football expert and as a fan of the team as well. Is this something you're looking forward to or is there a couple of nerves going into the game tonight? I think there's quite a lot of trepidation, uh, anxiety, nervousness, and that's just me. Uh, the players might feel similarly. Um, uh, I think it's hard to see where the confidence is coming from at this point because... Germany made a lot of mistakes. They threw a game away that they controlled, which I think then made them second-guess themselves a little bit, doubt uh, one or two of their own, um, you know, uh, departments in the team or a little bit of finger-pointing going on. I don't think there's a, a real meltdown or a split in the team, but maybe just a sense of we have some problems and we're not sure we can deal with them in time for what is going to be a, a pretty difficult Contest with with one of the sides that uh, keep the ball really well, play really well. They themselves will be full of confidence after that 7-0 against Costa Rica. So really not the ideal, uh, shall we say, situation uh, for a must-win game on already the second day of the tournament. Yeah, of course, they are coming in off the back of that 2-1 loss. Probably the real first shock of the tournament when Japan got the better of them 2-1. Um, Thomas Muller afterwards, he called it a horror scenario. Is that the right way of going about it? You know, we, we like this kind of honesty from our players sometimes, but horror scenario, is that a bit too dramatic, really? I don't think so, because we are staring elim- elimination in the face and we could join Qatar as the only other nation already knocked out after two match days. So I think it doesn't get any more horrific than that. If you think of uh, all the aspirations, the expectations back home uh, to do well, to the tournament being over after four days in Qatar would be would be pretty disastrous, um, perhaps even worse than Russia, um, because at least there we had a chance in the, in the last game. 
against South Korea to still qualify. So I think there is a nightmare scenario here. And unfortunately, it's not that unlikely because I think even going into this group stage, there was always at the back of the mind of German players that Spain might be the sort of game where they will not win or maybe lose. But ultimately, that was the plan. It wouldn't have mattered that much because you beat Japan and then you beat Costa Rica. And that's not really an issue. But now, after that unexpected and really totally avoidable and unnecessary defeat against Japan, that's no longer um, a viable game plan, unfortunately. We know that sometimes in football you don't get what you deserve, but sometimes you do as well because Wales fans will know that, listen, they haven't been up to the standard of the tournament so far and that's why they have no points on the board. Germany also having no points on the board. But when they pick through the ashes of that Japan defeat, do they see a game that they deserve to lose? I think they still find it hard to understand how just how they lost the game. Of course, when you make mistakes like they did for the two goals, you can lose, especially the second uh, goal was was uh, Sunday League football. I mean, you'll you'll be hard pressed to see a, a worse goal being scored from a defensive point of view, with two players playing offside and the third one not. I mean, this it, it really was just comically bad, um, and there was no suggestion, I think, at the time that this game was was really ever in doubt. Uh, maybe that was the problem. Maybe Germany, Germany felt so secure that they thought, you know, yeah, we're missing chances, but the Japanese are not really up to much and. In the first half, they had one or two opportunities to counter-attack, but really didn't do anything with it. And they certainly had that false sense of uh, security that uh, lulled themselves in. And I, I, But I still think that if they were to play the same game 100 times, they'd probably win 95 of them. So it wasn't as if it was all bad. It was just that they had some really, really bad defensive lapses. Um, it can happen. It shouldn't happen. The problem is that... Uh, Again, the Spain game makes this one game more unforgiving. I don't think we have here necessarily a grand theme of a team being somehow at odds with the manager or the manager making wrong decisions or uh, a real lack of quality in the team or you know some kind of the wider issues that we like to look for when, when a big team like that falters. I think it really has come down to some really stupid mistakes that shouldn't happen, but as you saw, can happen. One thing that, you know, about this Germany is that it's supposed to be the Hansi Flick version. This is supposed to be a progression from 2018. This is supposed to be, you know, a bigger, better, brighter team. Do you think that it is that? Or do you think that those same failings, those same mistakes are still within this German setup? It's different failings this time. I don't know if that's much consolation. But, uh, of course, in the uh, Euros, we had a team that was playing a really strange system that they weren't happy with. You remember uh, Joshua Kimmich playing as a wing-back and Germany playing that 3-4-3 formation, which put a lot of players into very unfamiliar positions and they never, I think, had full conviction that this was the right system. Uh, in 2018, uh, as I just implied, there was a real problem within the team. You had some of the more experienced players who were playing badly. That's why they couldn't provide leadership. Some of the younger players were wondering, why am I not, I'm, am I not playing? But Löw stuck with the World Cup winners out of loyalty. These are completely different issues now. I think now you have a, a problem of quality in, in the fullback positions. Um, there's not much you can do. In 2014, Germany solved that problem by playing four centre-backs uh, for the first uh, four games of the tournament. That is a solution, but it's not really in Hansi Flick's nature. He wants to be more attacking, more expensive. Uh, we don't have a centre-forward. Again, that's not a new phenomenon. Uh, usually, we found enough striking power um, from the wingers or the number 10 players or the semi-strikers and Müller to make up for that. But uh, certainly when it came to taking the chances, we weren't clinical enough. 
So again, not a sense of everything being totally wrong and uh, a complete new start, or you might even call it a reboot necessary, just more of uh, failings at this particular tournament and hopefully, hopefully lessons learned just in time to avoid elimination. One thing that isn't different is that Germany seemed to keep conceding the same kind of goal. You called it a, a Sunday league type of goal. We're talking about Japan's second here, and there was a kind of sense of deja vu. Two of the best moments in Irish footballing history over the last 20 years have been long punts up to a striker against Germany when you have Robbie Keane in 2 and, and the Shane Long goal as well. And that was the, the kind of striking thing. Do you think that there is this kind of blind spot when it comes to that, or do you think every team gets caught by that kind of goal eventually? Well, not every good team gets caught by, by that kind of goal eventually. It's not a goal you should concede. Um, the Robbie King goal was slightly different. It was a knockdown, which wasn't picked up. This was just a straight punt that, uh, again, two players playing offside uh, and the third one not. And then the player just runs through and shoots on goal from a tight angle. Um, it's hard to to see goals like that at this level uh, from a team with the aspirations to play proper football as Germany do. So I, I don't think that's necessarily indicative of anything apart from a complete lapse of concentration and focus at that very moment. Uh, you know, we're talking about players uh, in Antonio Rudiger who plays at Real Madrid, Schlotterpleck plays at Dortmund, uh, Nicky Zula plays at Dortmund, won the Champions League with Bayern. These are not Sunday league footballers and you just don't expect them to make that kind of mistake. And even as a coach, I'm not sure you can, you would have said at the beginning uh, of this World Cup, you know, don't forget, you know, when you play offside, Make sure you all do it in the same line, not two of you. I mean, it's so fundamental that you wouldn't even mention it. So it came as a very unexpected error, but I don't think we can draw too many lessons from it because it's just so out of character. And we know that Germany have always been a tournament team, a squad that will have the nose and the you know the know-how to just get through these kind of challenges. And they haven't done that in, that, in these kind of tournaments for the last couple of years anyway. Uh, do you think that there is... You know, there used to be an aura around the Germany team. We would have taken great pride in beating Germany in 02 and 2014, whereas Japan would have seen it now as, as kind of just a step for them to get qualified. Do you think that that aura has, has dissipated a little bit for the German team? I mean, having been in the stadium, I don't feel Japan just saw it as another three points. Uh, I think they felt that this was a huge, huge moment in their history in football to beat Germany. It might not be the Germany of 2014, but it is still Germany, the four-time four World Cup winner, and I lost track of the number of euros. Um, just kidding. But um, you're right. I think your wider point is right, that Germany are in danger of becoming a, a nation, a team that cannot really trust itself to do the basics right. The basic is negotiating a very pliable, amenable group stage. They shouldn't find themselves in a the situation. They shouldn't have found themselves in a situation in 2018 they shouldn't have found themselves in a situation where they need a draw against hungary at the euros and uh, scored one very late on they should be a lot more solid and uh, these are interesting questions i think when it comes to game management when it comes to leadership when it comes to the uh, ability to deal with pressure and i think tomorrow no it's tonight actually tonight will give us a huge indication just how good this group of player is when it comes to Emerging from that kind of pressure point with integrity and with a sense of, you know, let's do it. Uh, because in the past, um, as you said, we had moments like this before. They needed uh, to beat Ghana in 2010, for example, and Mesut Ozil came up with a wonderful strike. They needed to beat Austria, I remember, at the 2008, 2008 
uh, Euros and Michael Ballack came out with a wonder strike for, from a free kick. You need those big moments. You shouldn't have to rely on them, but certainly this World Cup seems to be shaping up for one where we need someone to do something special to rescue us. Leaders in a team will lead to those big moments coming in. And I know Jonathan Wilson was writing in The Guardian today about how this team doesn't seem to have the Beckenbauers, the, the, those kind of leaders in the past. Do you think that that's correct? And do you think that there needs to be kind of these more senior players stepping up now? The Mullers, the Neuers? There is a sort of a circularity about this argument because this was used, this used to be said over the 2014 generation as well. Until you win, you're not seen as winners. And there's always this accusation that somehow you're morally deficient or your character is not not strong enough. And uh, the Bayern Munich players had this thrown at them for years and years. And a lot of them are in Germany as well. And this only changed when they won the Champions League in 13, which was their first big international trophy. And I think that helped them as far as winning 2014 is concerned. So when you look at these players, they're already Champions League winners. Um, you have players like Ilka Gundogan, who should have no problem. You know, the captain of Manchester City should have no problem leading the Germany team. Joshua Kimmich, all in but name, the captain of Bayern Munich, should not have a problem leading Müller's at his uh, fourth World Cup. It shouldn't really be an issue. Um, but it seems as if collectively they haven't got enough resilience to deal with a situation that doesn't go their way. And I think that's a deeper question that's going to be addressed maybe when it comes to managing the game, being being calmer, or maybe also seriousness, because the one accusation that goes beyond the the details you might throw at this team is that they didn't treat Japan seriously, I think. They didn't feel as if this game was in danger. They thought the game was won. Hansi Flick were making, was making substitutions to keeping everyone happy. They took their bye off eye off the ball quite literally and that was punished and that's a lesson that they shouldn't have need to learn but i hope they would have learned off the ball andy farrell was almost giddy yeah at yeah. the late with he wants sex. everything yeah. thrown at them as much as possible he was like, this is per- i couldn't have planned this yes. better this could happen maybe he did up. subscribe to the rugby stream on the otb sports app now I was speaking earlier about how we get brilliant honesty from Germany players and I'm sure there was plenty of honesty in this what's now almost a fabled team meeting uh, from during the week where uh, I'm sure there was a few honest truths thrown out. These kind of meetings are very cinematic in a way that this could be the turning point and this is the part where you focus in on if there is a movie made about this Germany team in 20 years time when they do. Uh, there is, there is. The Amazon are there with their, yeah. with their cameras. Yeah, exactly. So um, do you think that there was anything said in this meeting? Do we have any any leaks coming out to say what was actually said? Or is it a good news that we don't have any leaks? Is, is that a sign of a strong team then? Yeah, I would say it's a sign of a strong team. Um, the team have been uh, pretty tight in that respect. We haven't seen news leak out at all from um, that Al-Shamal training center, which looks like a fortress and is kind of metaphorically quite uh, difficult to penetrate. Um, so in that sense, togetherness seems to be there. There wasn't, doesn't seem to be now, at this moment in time, I think, an appetite to throw too many accusations at each other. But I'm sure if Germany get knocked out, then we will see players saying, you know, this wasn't right and that wasn't right. And here I was a little bit disappointed. And I'm sure there, as is inevitable in this scenario with 26 players, there are people who are unhappy with their situation, who feel that they should have played ahead of someone else. But everything that was coming out in and off the record would suggest that this was indeed a very grown up, a civilized, honest, but in no means sort of personal discussion where everyone made their feelings known. 
And uh, then it's always down to the manager to take the right, um, you know, to draw the right uh, conclusions from that and not to be perhaps too reactive and to oversteer and try to change everything in order to, um, you know, to pay respects to these opinions because you will have so many different opinions um, inside the dressing room of what should should happen and outside even more with 80 million uh, national managers. I think Flick needs to stay true to himself. This is his first real test as a as a senior manager at Bayern. He was never in a crisis situation, and uh, hopefully for him, for Germany, for for all of us, um, he'll he'll get it right tonight. How do you solve a problem like Kai Havertz? He's a very Chelsea striker in a sense that you know he's got a lot of this potential. He you know can have these kind of bright moments, and you know he has you know scored in a Champions League final. He has produced on the biggest stage before, and yet there are other times where he looks a bit lost in the game. He looks maybe not interested at times. Um, what's his reputation like in Germany? And and are the the national team fans those those eighty million that you mentioned there? Are they happy to keep him in? I think they're probably split. Um, they would like to see a um, bit more work. He's not going to ever be the sort of striker that sweats and runs and, and you know, really is horrible to play against. He's, he's more, much more technical, much more ethereal. Uh, when it works, it's beautiful. When it doesn't, it looks, as, as you said, it looks as if it's not interested. I think it's in the nature of these players to have that kind of body language, uh, which can be annoying to the sort of casual observer. But... Flick seems to trust him. He doesn't feel that the other alternatives in Fulkrug or Mukuku or maybe even Mario Götze, although he hasn't played that position in a long time, are necessarily an upgrade on him. Um, so unless he changes the system to three midfielders to mirror Spain, I still think he will play. And then it comes down to him having a better game. He said himself he didn't feel 100% involved in the game. Um, that the balls weren't really coming to him or perhaps he wasn't coming enough to the ball as maybe one or two players uh, imitated and uh, he can play a lot better. But you might remember the game that Germany played at Wembley not long ago, that 3-3 draw. That kind of summed up everything because he didn't seem to be involved, but then he scored this unbelievable goal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think a second one as well, if I remember correctly. And that kind of sums him up. You know, he doesn't always get involved, but he has the ability to produce special situations and we will need special situations if we are to beat Spain tonight. There'll always, always be lace bolters into a World Cup squad, players that you wouldn't expect to emerge kind of two years out, a year out. And, you know, we have those in Makoku and in Fulkrug as well. There's two players who have earned their way into this squad uh, through their performances. But do you think Flick was wrong to try and not give them some exposure to international football before, you know, throwing them in on the grandest stage of them all. Now, Makoku's only 18, you know, only turned 18 recently, so there wouldn't have been many opportunities to give him that, but to kind of turn to him in this hour of need now, was that the wrong decision? Yeah, it's hard to say because I think there are two schools of thought. I mean, the one is that you want your team to be as used to each other as possible, that they all know a system, that they all play together many, many games. The problem was that the team that played at the, uh, uh, in the qualifiers or played in the Nations, Nations League didn't have Mukuku and didn't have Fulkrug because both weren't on the radar. Fulkrug's only really jumped on that train at the very last minute through his goals for Vera. He's been uh, really, really good and warrants his inclusion on, his, uh, on the back of his form, a little bit like Mario Götze, who's come really into form at the right time. Mukoko the same. A year ago, he was really struggling and he wouldn't have been nowhere near the Germany squad. So I think it would have been hard for Flick to leave them out. 
with the argument that they hadn't played for Germany before. I mean, as a player, you'd say, how can I play for Germany if you tell me I should have played for them before? You have to pick me at some point. Um, but I agree with you in a sense that it didn't, didn't look like the most convincing sort of lineup that when Germany chasing games against Japan, you throw on Fulkrug and you throw on Mukoko, who both have a combined number of competitive games of zero at this point. It did look a little bit desperate and it looked a little bit sort of thrown together at the last minute but that i guess was the nature of the game germany hadn't planned for this game to go wrong and maybe they should have had more backup solutions in their mind and in sort of their, their mental attitude available but they clearly didn't didn't ever calculate that it would come to this the Germans have only won one of the last seven matches against the Spaniards, and that includes a 6-0 defeat in the Nations League back in 2020. Are those kind of stats, do they weigh heavy on the German public? Do they, do they stick in the mind, a 6-0 hammering like that? A little bit, a little bit. I don't think that um, people necessarily remember all those games and feel Spain are, are this terrible side for Germany. It'd be probably more in a strange way, more respect for Italy, even though they're not here, because... There's a long history going going back decades and decades where Germany haven't beaten Italy at a at a World Cup, but it is a, an awkward opponent for Germany. There's no doubt about that. Germany are not good without the ball. Spain are very good with the ball. Um, Spain are very good in playing in midfield, playing between the lines in those areas where Germany struggle because they don't really have a, a destructive midfielder. They have playing midfielders. They have number eights. They have. Uh, really good, clever guys on the ball in Gundogan and uh, and of course Kimmich and Goretzka is very box to box, but not so much defensively in a pure sense. So they will cause a lot of problems for this Germany. And I think there was a bit of an insight into Germany's psyche when Thomas Müller, after the Japan defeat, said, "Well, you know, we thought we needed, we wanted to create that kind of cushion for us uh, by beating Japan because we know that maybe games." go wrong in the group stage but then we would have still been okay so I think even maybe it was just him but even at the back of the mind I think going into this tournament there was always this suspicion maybe or a you know a a fear you might say that the Spain game would be difficult and that they might actually lose but the idea was it wouldn't matter so much because you won win the other two games um, again uh, this is not how it panned out and now would be nice to win because then you can win the group has become a must-win game and that's not a great position to be in to go out at the group stage once is careless to do it twice would probably uh, spark the scariest words in the english language a root and branch review can we expect a lot of finger pointing i know thomas muller didn't want any finger pointing after the japan game but i imagine there will be plenty of fingers pointed if there is another uh, exit at this stage yes but Having read sort of the the takes today, there's a lot of almost sort of grasping at straws when it comes to explaining this. Some people are saying, oh, the training camp is very remote. It's boring there. Others saying, you know, the armament has destructed everyone. Um, there doesn't seem to be any real good evidence, I would say, for things that are dramatically wrong with this team. And also the Japan game itself didn't really give that much evidence in that respect because I maintain that this is a game that Germany should win 3-0, 3-1 quite comfortably, and we wouldn't be having this conversation at this point. Um, Germany have problems when it comes to producing strikers. There is a flaw in the system. I think everyone has known this now for a few years. They're trying to address this, but it's going to take time to change. 
The same as the fullback situations. Um, I don't know exactly why there is such a dearth of talent in that in that spot. It's it's hard to explain. Uh, when you have uh, 82 million people, you should find at least two or three really decent fullbacks. We don't seem to be producing any at the moment. But even at the height of this team, when this team was going to finals, semifinals, was coming close all the time, we only had one Philip Lahm. And the other position was always some guy who just happened to be there. Or again, in 2014, a right-sided centre-back playing as a defensive left-back in Benedict Hüvedes. But Germany managed to win the World Cup anyway. So I can't tell you if I was head of the FA, sort of what would be on my checklist to see, you know, what are the major things we have to change? Because I don't see any reason why we need that root and branch um, review at this point. We just need to be better when it comes to managing the details. And as we've seen at this World Cup, details are very, very important. Well, let's hope the root and branch review isn't needed and let's hope it's a good game this evening. Uh, best of luck, Rafa. I'm sure you'll be cheering on your boys and uh, we'll all be watching uh, with keen interest to see how the game goes. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.